The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. Yes, it is. It is 6.32. It's also Monday evening, so uh, buckle up and let's go. The number to call in, talk to Alex Luchaferro. He is our guy on the uh, in the hot seat tonight. Partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. You can do so. Uh, 416-870-6400. You have questions about your job, maybe severance, maybe temporary layoff, maybe vaccine status, maybe mandates that are still around, maybe you're... Workplace is still relying on those, even though they shouldn't be at this point. It doesn't matter. Bring it on if it has something to do with your employment employer as well. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. You make the show better. You also ask and get questions answered that are often wondered by thousands of others. So have at her. As they say, 416-870-6400 is the way to call in over the next uh, few or half hour anyway and get your questions on the air. We're going to talk about termination of employment, the pop quiz. I'll be throwing these towards Alex. And he will answer them. But we always start off with the uh, the case of the day, brother. What's going on with you? Hey, good evening, John. Great to be back live on the air here in Toronto, talking employment law, yeah, workplace man. rights for employees and employers as well. It's been uh, as usual, John, a busy start uh, to the week. It always is uh, for us, continuing to help people resolve their workplace situation, solving problems, giving advice, uh, helping people get the severance that they're owed. Our entire team, we continue to speak with people on a daily basis. People that have either heard this show uh, or they found us online or they've seen us uh, or they've been referred to us through a family member or a friend. People give us a call because they're dealing with a problem at work. Uh, They're dealing with a difficult situation. They don't know what to do and they simply need some help. They want to know what their rights are and they want to know what options they have, especially. And as you very well know, John, that's exactly what we're here to do. We're here to resolve those workplace problems the bread and butter of what we do all day, every day. Uh, and listen, after people speak to us, they feel of a heck of a lot better uh, about those uh, issues. We point them in the right direction. And as I mentioned, we lay out those options. And listen, even in situations where we, you know, a situation isn't perfectly uh, resolved, we can at least help a little bit. And people are certainly appreciative of that and knowing where they stand. So if this is Uh, clicking, if a light bulb is going off and you're hearing us right now and you're dealing with a difficult situation at work, maybe you've been let go from your job uh, and you've been offered a severance package or maybe you're being mistreated at work, Uh, you have a colleague that's harassing you or bullying you or you have a boss that's mistreating you, Uh, do not hesitate. Please give us a call right now. Happy to chat about your uh, matter. Let's get you the information and the advice that you need to help you on your way to resolving that problem. Let's get that stress off of your shoulders. And if you don't want to call in uh, on the air, don't be shy to give us a call at the office, whether it's myself or any of our uh, other lawyers in the office. Uh, John will give you the number. Don't be shy to give us a call uh, and reach out to us there. As you mentioned, John, to get us started uh, this evening, as we usually do, let's start with the case of the day. It's an opportunity to talk about a matter that came across my desk. uh, And what I think will be kind of a good lesson for our listeners out there and and a lesson for employers as well, for that matter. Uh, And it's actually a matter, John, that was just resolved today. So this matter has been gone going for uh, a couple of months, not very long, uh, but that just actually resolved successfully uh, today. I was assisting an employee 
uh, uh, John, a very nice uh, lady who had been with the company for two years. Uh, she was in a managerial position. She loved her job. Very, very nice lady, uh, uh, John. And for her own personal reasons, uh, health reasons, I believe, she had decided not to be vaccinated against, uh, against COVID-19. She made that decision uh, herself. And unfortunately, an issue arose when just this spring, uh, her employer decided to return employees back to the office and insist that they be vaccinated. To your point earlier on in the, in the show about mandatory vaccine uh, policies still causing issues in the workplace, this is an exa- exactly an example of that. She was recalled back to the office and told, well, listen, if you're not vaccinated, we're going to have to put you on an unpaid leave of absence. You can no longer continue working from home, even though you were able to for two plus years. We're going to have to put you on an unpaid leave of absence. So this lady called me a couple of months ago, John, and she wanted to know what her rights were and what her options were. And I told her very simply this. And this is the case, John, generally speaking, with, I would say, all employees that were able to work from home during the pandemic, if not other employees that were working in the workplace as well, but specifically for those employees working from home, what I told her is no, an employer cannot force a mandatory vaccination policy on an employee like that. If you're able to safely and successfully work from home, that is an alternative option that your employer should have provided you. And so what we did when this first happened, John, is we sent her employer a letter on the employee's behalf explaining a couple of things, saying, you know, number one, your policy is unreasonable. You should have allowed her to continue to work from home. And we gave the employer two options. We say either you, we pretend this all never happened and the employee can continue working from home as she's done uh, very well for the past couple of years, or you've effectively terminated employment and she's owed a severance. So we gave the employer two options in the case. Yeah. Uh, uh, John, two reasonable options and two options uh Uh, our client was actually interested in. She would have been willing to continue working with the company. The employer wrote back, and after a little bit of back and forth and some discussions between the employer and I, they ultimately decided to offer a severance package. We worked through that over a couple of weeks, John, and the end result was that this employee received a very fair, dare I say even generous severance package for somebody of her age, position, and years of service, and she was able to move on successfully. She actually got another job at another employer relatively quickly, uh, John, but she got a fair severance package from uh, her employer, and she was able to move on uh, to employment. She was very happy uh, with the result. Uh, and you know, the reason why she ended up in that positive place, despite having lost her job, was because she reached out in the first place to know what her rights were, to know what options she had in the face of an unpaid leave as a result of a vaccination uh, policy. And we've spoken to many employees, many employees, uh, again, who are able to work from home, but who have been put on either unpaid leave or who have uh, been let go because of a vaccination policy. And the lesson for employers here, John, is you cannot unilaterally, as a kind of blanket, impose a vaccination policy on every single employee in every single circumstance. You need to consider the specifics of the particular employee, the specifics of the workplace, uh, and in you know, in some circumstances, a vaccination policy might uh, be reasonable, but in lots, uh, it's going to lead to problems if you impose them in the wrong way. Let's get to a uh, call, shall we? If I can get my uh, my mouse working in, there we go. We'll get to uh, to Bob and hanging on for a moment. Bob, thanks for joining the show today. How are you? What's your question? Uh, yes, so I just recently received a PIP from my employer oh. uh, after uh, annual anniversary review meetings. 
and uh, it's just suddenly come to me. So I just uh, a little bit shock and see what I can do, and I just go into plan to have the primary leave, but uh, I don't know what else should I do right now. Well, Bob, by PIP, and, and for our listeners out there, I assume you're referring to a performance improvement plan. Yes, that's correct. And it's yeah, so it, one month. Like, I don't know if that's normal, like a very short period. Well, listen, it is not uncommon for employees to be receiving performance improvement plans. And for our listeners out there, what those are is they're, they're effectively warnings from an employer that the employee's performance is to some degree lacking and some sort of plan to figure out how that performance is going to be improved. Now, Bob, we'll, we'll have to get into the details of your situation. So perhaps this is a conversation you want to have uh, off air. And certainly you can give us a call at the office and I'd be more than happy to walk, walk you through all of this. The, okay. the short answer to your issue, Bob, is that uh, you should be responding back in writing to your employer in a very polite, uh, very professional, respectful way. There's no need to get uh, kind of uh, irritated or, or uh, kind of upset with your employer. Write back your opinion on the performance improvement plan. Do you agree that your performance has been lacking? And if you do not agree, tell the employer why. Suggest perhaps things that can improve your employment, what you, can, what you need from your employer to help improve your performance. That is the kind of communication that you should be having with your employer. You should also be making a note for kind of the longer term, Bob, that a lot of times when we see a performance improvement plan like this, the employer is starting to contemplate a potential termination of employment. Now, there's nothing for you to do in the meantime, Bob, to be clear. You shouldn't be talking about severance to your employer. You shouldn't mention anything like that to your, to your employer. But just keep that in the back of your mind and make, don't give them a reason for letting you go. Don't, uh, you know, do your best, act in good faith, do your job to the best of your ability. And if ultimately your employment comes to an end, so be it, you would still be owed severance. Uh, but that is what you should be doing for now. And just a quick question. So should I, because the CIP is not here yet, I'm not receiving any physical paper, should I wait to respond to the email, which I don't agree on the PIP, or should I just write a letter uh, before I receive it? Uh, no, I, I, would, I would wait to receive the letter or receive okay. the plan. It's usually a document that you receive that will set out certain criteria that you have to meet. And again, review those. And knowing your work, knowing your line of business, knowing your, uh, you know, your abilities, uh, again, if you don't agree with the plan, lay that out in writing. It, should be, it could be an email. It doesn't have to be any kind of formal letter. It could be in a very simple email. Let them know what you agree and what you don't agree with. And again, do the best that you can. Um, and that's it for now. Uh, Bob, it remains to be seen. Of course, if you, uh, if you pass the, impro the performance improvement plan successfully, where that's, that's where that conversation will end, and you'll, your employment will carry on. If things progressively get worse, it may ultimately lead to a termination. Of course, Bob, if you're, if you're a listener of this show, you should know already, make sure you don't sign anything without receiving legal advice. Uh, first, whether you think a severance offer is good or bad or otherwise, uh, make sure you're always getting advice before you sign any kind of termination document, and even the performance improvement plan. Uh, Bob, again, if you want to speak off air in more detail about it once you receive it, by all means, don't be shy to reach out to us. Will do. Just a last quick question. Like, is this very normal for one month of performance improvement plan, or it's like a... Because Not I usually... Not common at all. 
Not coming. Not uncommon at all. What we we see one month plans quite frequently. We also see three month plans. Uh, there's no set time per se, but one oh. one month is quite typical. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate uh, your time. And here's how you reach out to Alex and the team, which I know you will be doing so. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address. We'll try to get some of those tonight as well. We'll take a short break. Get back into our termination of employment pop quiz. Pop quiz, hotshot. That is coming up in just a couple minutes here. In the meantime, uh, arm yourself with a phone, just like Bob did. 416-870-6400. We'll get right back to it. A short break and then back into it. The Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show continues. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. You betcha, 647, John Scholes here, Alex Lucifero, partner, Sam Firu to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm across the country. And he's got a great team behind him, man. If you got issues with uh, your employment, with your employer, maybe you are an employer and you got some questions, you can reach out anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Write that down toll free, of course, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And then the website that uh, we direct you to all the time, it's got lots of useful information. It's free. It's anonymous. There's contact here as well. And the severance pay calculator was rolled into this website a couple of years ago. And that would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And over 2 million people have now used the severance pay calculator, had their eyes opened as to what severance should really look like. Uh, look like. Common law entitlements, not just the stuff that you're going to get from that uh, mistaken call to the Ministry of Labor. You want to go beyond that, absolutely. So let's get into this, pal. Termination of employment pop quiz before we slide over to another call. First question for you, what are the four main factors considered when determining how much severance someone should be paid? Well, the the factors are, uh, John, an employee's age, their position with the company, their years of service with the company, so how long they've been with the same employer uh, for, and ultimately, how quickly or not they'd be able to find new employment. So the job market and their employability at the time of termination. And the analysis is very straightforward, uh, John, and our longtime listeners will know this very well. But, you know, an employee is going to be owed uh, more severance the older they are, the longer they've been with the same company, and the more senior their position is. And the rationale is simply because the older an employee is, again, the longer they've been, in the same job. And what that means is the longer they have been out of the job market, really. So you'd think a 20-year employee, okay, well, 20 years of service is very, very impressive, but it also means that they've been out of the job market for 20 years. They haven't had to create a resume in 20 years. They haven't had to do a job interview in 20 years. Uh, And of course, the more senior or the more specialized your position is, the harder it's going to be for that individual to find that next job. And therefore, the more severance they are going to be owed. And as you were alluding to earlier, uh, John, when we're talking severance based on an employee's age, position, and years of service, we're not talking about a week or two per year of service. We are talking about as much as potentially 24 months, two years of severance for employees 
with long years of service employees, particularly who are older. So it's not just going to be two weeks per year of service, as is often misstated when we still hear that day in and day out. Lots of misconceptions about severance. Uh, they're not the case at all. Oftentimes, you're looking at months and months and months of severance, John, based on that age, position, and years of service analysis. 416-870-6400, the number. Jason, thanks for hanging on for a moment. Happy Monday, pal. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, hello. Yeah, we, um, we've had some changes at my work in which uh, currently my position, I've been like offered like a casual position where I get paid time and a half to do uh, this work over and above my regular work. Uh, but more recently, it's kind of being expected that if we do it, we're just going to kind of flex our hours as opposed to getting this time and a half uh, benefit. So I, I'm curious if, uh, you know, do, are we able to, I don't know, fight this at all? Or is this kind of because it's over and on top of our current work, are we kind of stuck with what they're going to offer? What's the problem exactly, Jason? So it sounds like is the dispute perhaps perhaps when you're actually performing this additional work? So are they asking you to do it on a certain schedule, and that doesn't drive with uh, with your regular schedule? What is the what don't you agree with here? Um, so it's the the wages and set. So um, we're being asked to do it for straight time, where traditionally it was always time and a half, as it's over and above like our our regular work hours. Got it. What line of work are you in, Jason? So I am in management um, in healthcare, mm-hmm. um, but this is a completely separate role. Okay. So I, I guess I could I could point to a general a couple of kind of general uh, principles uh, here. So if it's always been the case, uh, Jason, that you were being paid time and a half for this work. And all of a sudden, out, out of nowhere, they've pulled the rug from under you and said, actually, that's no longer the case. You're not being paid uh, for a time and a half. It's just going to be at your kind of regular rate. That is illegal, potentially. An employer can't make a significant change like that. They can't make it at least, Jason, without providing reasonable notice of that change. And so, again, if the change happened kind of out of nowhere, one day, um, you know, out of the blue, that's potentially something that you can point to to say, hey, you weren't allowed to make this change, employer. At the very least, you should have provided reasonable notice of that change, which, depending on how long you've been in the position and how long you've been with with the organization, I mean, it could be several months long. Uh, Other than that, if you are a management employee and you're performing managerial duties, uh, unfortunately, there isn't, for example, an overtime pay claim that you can make uh, here, which is what you're alluding to when we're talking about time, time and a half. If these are hours that you're putting in above 44 hours, generally speaking, an employee would be owed overtime pay uh, uh, for that. Now, if you're a managerial employee, uh, Jason, that might not be the case. Uh, is the work that you're performing for this, this kind of extra work that was previously being paid a time and a half, uh, is it managerial type work? Jason, or is it more non-managerial stuff? Yeah, no, it's managerial as well. So it was just the established practice that you would just uh, receive time and a half at your current rate working in that position. It was not, uh, it was not like that new. I, I kind of always assumed that that's kind of the rate that I would be paid for that position as opposed to time and a half at 
you know, my current job. Yeah. So, so unfortunately, because it's managerial work, you can't point to the Employment Standards Act because the Employment Standards Act, again, if it, if it was hours worked over 44 hours a week, uh, you would be protected there under the Employment Standards Act as a non-managerial employee uh, doing, doing non-managerial duties over 44 hours. That definitely would have to be time and a half. Because you're a managerial employee doing managerial duties in that extra time, you have to rely on that past precedent argument. And, and I think it's a viable argument, Jason. So what I would do if I was you, at least as a first step, is I would have a conversation with my employer uh, about it. Approach them and say, listen, this has always been the case. I'm not sure why it's changed. It's not fair that it changed so quickly. Uh, you know, I'd want you, you know, I'd like you to respect the time and a half rule. If, they fl- if you've already had that conversation, Jason, and if they flat out refuse, uh, what I would suggest is give us a call off air. Let's have a chat. Uh, about potentially what your options are here, kind of what's at stake. Uh, you know, depending on the other kind of components of your job, you may want to rock the boat a little bit, you may not, but it might be worth a conversation nonetheless. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Jace. Appreciate it, brother. Here is that number to reach out to Alex, which I know you will and you should. one 855 821 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, we'll get to one or two more of these as we get a termination of employment pop quiz. Number two, how long can a temporary layoff last? How many times you answered this question in the last year and a half? Yeah, too many, <laughs> too many, uh, John, because we're still seeing lots and lots of temporary yeah. layoffs and COVID-related layoffs. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, let's make one thing clear kind of right off the bat here when we're talking about temporary uh, layoffs. A temporary layoff is not an implied right that an employer has to implement, you have to agree to a temporary layoff in order for it, for it to be legal and legitimate. If you do not agree to a temporary layoff, if you've never been laid off in the past, it's not a term of your employment in any particular way, you don't have to accept a temporary layoff. You are not obligated as an employee to accept a temporary layoff. You can treat it, and you probably should actually treat it as a termination. Get your severance entitlements from this employer and get moving on to new employment. Uh, the reason why you want to probably treat a temporary layoff as a termination is because if you allow the employer to lay you off, well, number one, your layoff can actually last for as long as 35 weeks, which is you know something like eight months, which is a ridiculous amount of time. You don't want to be sitting on the bench not being paid for that long. Right. The second issue, John, and you mention this all the time yourself when we're having this conversation, is, you know, once you accept one temporary layoff with an employer, again, it becomes this implied right that the employer now has. So if you accept it the first time, well, guess what? The employer gets to then implement it the second time and a third time and a fourth time. And those second and third and fourth times, you you now cannot complain as an employee because you accepted the first time. You accepted it as a term of your employment. Uh, and now you're stuck with it moving forward time and time uh, again. So temporary layoffs are a situation where whatever the circumstances are, and I don't care what the reason your employer is giving you for temporarily laying you off, that should be a massive red flag uh, and warning light going off in an employee's mind. Get on the horn immediately to an employment lawyer. Give us a call. You need to have a conversation right away as soon as you are temporarily laid off. 9.9 9.9 out of 10 times, John, it's going to be illegitimate, and that employee is going to be on severance. And the first thing you're going to look at is see if it's in their employment contract from the get-go. If it is, well, then there you go, right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Sometimes employers will sneak 
language into an employment mm-hmm. contract that says we are allowed to temporarily lay you off in accordance with the Employment Standards Act. And unfortunately, that will give an employer the right to use a clause uh, like that. Although, again, the devil is always in the details. Sometimes those clauses aren't written well enough. Sometimes the contract is old and not enforceable. Even if your contract has language like that, always make sure you speak to a lawyer about a temporary layoff situation. Back in tomorrow, same time. In the meantime, one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Both those to reach out to Alex and also pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you again tomorrow, 6.30 here on the Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.